You're listening to a podcast from leadculture.com. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of League Culture. Lots of interviews this month. We start the show with Wojciech of the Polska 13. And then we turn our attention to the Netherlands and we talk to Kane Krilich, the head coach of the Dutch national side. And last but not least, we then go to Denmark to talk to Harry Rose, who is over there in Copenhagen. Since our last episode, I've been increasing the content of our YouTube channel, Lee Culture RLTV, and you can listen to parts one and two of the story of International Rugby League, and also Before the Wolf Pack. All this great historical content of our game has kindly been provided by Professor Tony Collins, whose work is excellent and it's very generous of him to let us use his words. But as always, you can follow us on iTunes and remember, go on and leave some feedback, increase the visibility of the show. Our aim is to increase the visibility of the wider game of Rugby League and by helping spread the show, you're helping spread the gospel and aid the work of others. We are also on Stitcher, Soundcloud, Wushka, TuneIn, and LeeCulture.com. And if you have an Android device, you can download LeeCast, a free rugby league podcast application, where you can follow lots of great shows, Super League Pod, Devil in the Detail, Ladies Who League. Oh, and there's a new one. There's a new one now. Uh, the Bear Necessities, which is the Coventry Rugby League podcast. And there's also some other good stuff on there, like... The uh, Rugby League on Radio Yorkshire podcast is on there. And a lot of the Australian stuff as well. And there's a one called there that's new called Legal Council that's recently got added. And there's also the League One Show. And I'll give a quick mention to Ben Hughes of the League One Show. I've had the pleasure of working with Ben at Manchester Rangers while he's been doing the radio coverage for the club on 106.6 Manchester North Manchester FM. So I've done a few minutes on that show talking about Lee culture, among other things. Mainly, I've been there videoing games. So I've been around and he's had me on at the start of some of these broadcasts. And I've been doing the Alan Partridge thing. That is covering dead air at the start of his broadcasts. So listen to his League One show. He's a fantastic bloke to work with. Very generous, very friendly. And I believe next time we're going out live on 106.0 FM. It's a Friday night, 11th of August, on about 7pm-ish on 106.6 FM in Manchester, or tune in, you can catch it on that. Ben's really good at what he does, so if you're uh, interested in amateur rugby league, or, or rugby league in general, uh, it's pretty sure to catch that. He does some great stuff, does Ben, and catch his league one show. And we'll give a quick mention to the Latin American Rugby League Championship. If you go on to chuffed.org, C-H-U-F-F-E-D, there's a fundraiser on there at the moment to try and raise funds to help players get time off work and to, to get bus fares paid so they can take part in this 13-a-side Latin American Rugby League Championship in November, which should see Mexico, Chile, Brazil, Argentina all take part in this tournament and a few other nations, I think, as well. And it's fantastic work being done by Latin Heat, who, if you go onto their Facebook page, I'm sure you'll find a link 
also from their Facebook page to the fundraising site. And I've also stuck a link on leanculture.com if you want to follow it down. So I'd probably say don't go crazy on these things, but if you put £5, $5, whatever, it goes a long way for people who are struggling to pay for these things. And it does make a difference in progressing the sport. And I think this really contrasts the negative actions that have been taking place in in World Rugby League of recent with people following their own agendas and not really backing the efforts of others. So big thank you there to the likes of Robert Bergen and Latin Heat for adding a positive contribution to the sport. Right, before the interviews, I think we should catch up with what's going on in the world of rugby league. Well, let's start off in July on the 16th in Hungary, in Budapest, a place that I've been, and possibly even a ground that I've played on. We saw Hungary versus Poland, which saw the Hungarians win 56 points to 4. And we'll be asking Wujkash about that in a few minutes. And on July 22nd, we saw USA 48, Jamaica 6. Very strong performance, that from the USA. And on the 22nd as well, we saw Hungary play the Czech Republic. And the Czech Republic won 26-6 in this game. So, good outing there from the Czech Republic. And and Hungary not getting the second victory in this. And if we look at the international fixtures for next month, the main ones that I can see... On August the 26th, we've got Canada versus Jamaica in the America's Cup. And in the Griffin Cup, we've got Netherlands versus Germany. And we'll be speaking to Kane about that in our second interview. Well, over in North America, in the USA, we've had plenty of action in the USARL. And let's have a look at the last round. Well, we've seen Brooklyn Kings have a very strong year and win 53 points to 30 points at North Virginia Eagles. The Atlanta Rhinos, well, they stormed through. They won 58 points to 10 against the Central Florida Warriors. The Tampa Mayhem, putting on an unexpectedly strong performance against Jacksonville Axemen, winning 42-24. The Rhode Island Rebellion, well, they'll be glad their season's over. They lost 12 points to 96 against Philadelphia Fight. The New York Knights had a very strong year. They've won 40 points to 36 in a close game against the Boston 13s. And the Delaware Black Foxes, well, they lost 18-38 against the also-informed White Plains Wombats. And this takes us into playoff time. And we see on the 5th of August, in the north, New York Knights will be playing the Nova Eagles for the first Northern playoff final spot. And the second semi-final will be Brooklyn Kings versus the White Plains Wombats in a all-New York state affair there. And that final between the winners of those two semi-finals will take place on the 12th of August. And also on the 12th of August we'll see Atlanta versus Tampa go head-to-head to work out who are champions of the South. And then it's North v South pairing off on August 26. We've also had in Jamaica their knockout tournament start with GC GC Foster College defeating Washington Bulls 24-22. The Jamaican Defence Force 
Well, they scored a victory, 36 points to 22 against Luana Dragons. And let's just catch up with the National Club Championship, which sees Dehaney Park on top at 18 points. GC Foster Lions on 12 points. The Jamaican Defence Force Warriors also on 12 points. The Washington Boulevard Bulls on 9 points. Luana Dragons on 6 along with Spanish Town Vikings, also on six, and the Vauxhall Vultures have had a disappointing season, and they've got zero points. While over in Ireland, we've seen Longhorns Rugby League become the new champions of Ireland, defeating the Galway Tribesmen 44-16. And if we go to Chile, and we look what's happening there, we see, following a series of successful festivals and friendly matches over the last year, the football 13 in Chile has taken the ambitious step of launching a national club championship following the growing interest in the sport in the Bio Bio and other regions. The competition is set to feature six clubs, two of which will be from the city of Los Angeles, the Dragones and the Loncos, with the Mariman club set to be the favourites going into this tournament after strong performances in recent tournaments. And they'll all be playing in the Superliga 13. The Superliga 13 competition will operate in addition to the festivals and intercity friendly matches that run alongside it and will provide opportunity for newer clubs to take part as well as teams playing in various tournaments from places such as Colombia and Peru, who may go on to develop their own competitions in future seasons. And if we look at the Asian Pacific region, we see in Fiji, and in Fiji we see Ravo Ravo to face Sabeto in the Fiji Vodafone Cup Grand Final. In the Philippines, the Manila Storm, well they won the Manila Nines. And in Hong Kong, Kowloon, well they were the winners of the inaugural Hong Kong Super League. And if we turn our attention to Africa and to Burundi, we see two rugby league competitions taking place in Burundi with the Muha Rugby League competition, which has the Tigers in first place on 10 points, the Buffaloes in second place on 4 points, Impala in third place on 5 points. Not sure how that works. I think I think there's some mistake there. And in fourth place, we've got Punda on zero points. In the Natawanga Rugby League, we see in first place the PFYISI Rugby League on 11 points. And in second place, we've got the Leopards on six. In third, we've got the Simba Rugby League team on zero points. It's a good name, isn't it? Simba Rugby League. I like that. And in fourth, we've got the Ingona Rugby League, and they're also on zero points. And Burundi Rugby League has really it's gone from strength to strength. Despite a lack of equipment and resources, and largely being isolated from the rest of the Rugby League community, they've pushed ahead, led by President and Founder Jean Dor. Jean de Christ Ruziga, who I've got an interview with from past episodes of Lee Culture, which we'll have to dig out and play again. 
perhaps we'll stick that on the Lee Culture RLTV channel. That'd be a good one, that. I think we'll do that. Led by the president and the founder, Jean de Christ Ruzegar, they've been developing the sport around the city of Bujumbarara, having been supplied with rugby balls by the RLF and the RLF. They've been developing the game in the two districts of the city, ah, which are the two leagues, actually, we just spoke about. Right, let's do Norway. We've not covered Norway for a while. So in the North League, we've got Trondheim on two points in first place. Second place, we've got the Buddha Barbarians, also on two points. In three, we've got Oslo Capitals on zero points. In the South League, we've got four teams in the South. Stavanger Storm on four points, first place. In second place, on two points, we've got the Fleckyford Tigers. Third place, the Posgrun Pirates. And the Sadness Raiders on zero points, on zero points in fourth place. And we'll do our first interview now with Łukasz in Poland. I'm very privileged. I'm speaking to uh, Łukasz Wuczka from the Polska 13 or the Polish Rugby League. And you've had a historical event that's taken place. Your game between Hungary and yourselves. Yes, yes. It was our first uh, ever uh, official sanctioned international game. We played uh, some friendlies before with the uh, British students and British teachers, but uh, it was like a it, is, it was a big step forward to play against a full uh, national team representing uh, other country. Now I know it's disappointing that you lost the game, but the fact you were able to get to the point to hold a full international game must make you feel very proud compared to where you was two years ago. Yes, absolutely. Uh, being honest, uh, the the score wasn't the, like the most important thing for us. Uh, we just wanted to to catch some experience playing against uh, uh, another country. And yeah, the progress in in the last two years is is, is, is just just big. It's it's enormous uh, comparing to what we had in in 2015. Um, and uh, even on, on not only on organizational level but uh, also on a sport level, uh, we were getting better. And uh, for example, comparing to, to the, uh, the game against Hungary, we were we were much better comparing our last game where we played uh, against GB teachers in last uh, October last year. So. Um, the progress is is big, and uh, we're just trying to do our job, uh, taking small steps, and eventually uh, win a game uh, in a few years. Well, I'm sure you will. I mean, the thing is, you, you've still you've still not got your domestic competition fully started, and once you get that started, it's only going to get stronger and stronger. Yes, uh, yes, that's right. Uh, for now, we uh, we are fo- we are focused on. Uh, nines because our, we have six clubs, but to, they don't have uh, enough players to play a full season of 13 aside game. So we can play a game or two 13 aside, but uh, 
nines is just a safe, the safest option. So we, we are about to start a, a competition at the end of the next month. It was it, w- it will be a series of, of uh, nines tournaments with uh, full 13 aside uh, final at the end of the season. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, it's it's good to see your your teams in that competition because at one time you were struggling for kit and stuff, and now we've got teams like the Wild Bears where they've got their own kit and they're bringing out new kits and they're getting sponsors, and that's exciting just in itself. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, some of our teams they are doing very very well. Uh, they found uh, good sponsors and uh, some uh, decent level of support from. Uh, the local communities. Uh, well, uh, it's it's not the uh, not the easy in all of the uh, towns because, uh, uh, of course, uh, the surroundings they are they are different and uh, the local government is different in <laughs> uh, various towns. But yeah, it's it's a it's a big big progress and uh, we are getting more serious uh, ev- like every year. Well, that's great. That's that's fantastic, and congratulations on gaining observer status. Oh, thank you. It was, uh, yeah, we 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 could we couldn't we could make it earlier, but we we didn't really push to get the observer status just before we were really ready to gain it. We wanted everything to be established before we applied uh, for for the observer status. To be honest. Well, I know it's pleased. I mean. Uh, Anthony Petrovsky, who is one of the coaches at Manchester Rangers and one of the coaches at the junior sides, Bellevue Bees, has been over a few times to get involved with coaching. And I saw his comments today on Facebook and he didn't get a chance to come over. And I know he would have loved to play, but I think he felt it was important that your domestic players played first and foremost in that game. But I think he was just so proud to see the lads that he'd spent time training with take a full international game at rugby league yes yes uh, i think that uh, having people like anthony is, is very important for our development people who who come who can come to, to poland to coach our players a few times a year uh, experienced people um, just just lads living in 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 the rugby league heartland um, knowing the game it's uh, it's a it's a great advantage, and with with big Polish communities in in England and Australia, uh, we we can really use uh, people like that, and it's, uh, I think it, it's it's really it's vital for our development. Well, Polish players have obviously got the potential to be great rugby league players. Uh, we've got the young lad at Leeds at the moment. Yes, yes, uh, uh, it is. I think that. It's, it's a matter of time uh, before his story will make it to the, to the Polish uh, na- like nationwide media because uh, I, I've seen even on the rugby union website uh, they were uh, writing articles about uh, uh, Nikolai from Leeds. Uh, so um, I think that, that there are there are more there are more lads like him uh, of more more, more po- Polish lads like him living. Uh, they're in England, uh, and we just need to uh, think how we can encourage them uh, to start playing regularly. 
well, I think the great thing about his story is he's, he's not even that he's a heritage player because he was originally born in Poland and yes, he, yes. he's moved over as, as a, a young child, I guess, or a, an older child, moved to Leeds. He's, he's, he's got involved with rugby league there and now he, potentially he could become a, a big superstar in the sport. Yes, yes, that, that's it. Uh, so, so he's an example for uh, other Polish boys uh, uh, living in England, uh, people who moved uh, to to United Kingdom um, uh, in the last ten or fifteen years. Uh, so it's it's completely different than than people who who are who had Polish grandfather or something like that. So. These are people uh, who, maybe even if they, they live uh, in England for a few years, they they they're not really familiar with uh, with rugby league and all the, the culture of this this sport. So they they need uh, they need somebody like Nikolai showing them their way to the to the sport. No, it's it's fantastic. I mean, it's great. Isn't it? I mean, I suppose the moment he. He lands in in the the Polish press or the Polish UK press even. It's a great catalyst for uh, increasing your sport because potentially we could have to see a Polish team take place in an international tournament next year with the emerging nations. Yes, it's it's not uh, not it's not confirmed. Uh, yeah, but it, it it is it is an option for sure. Yeah, <laughs> don't want to put any pressure on you. I know you're working hard enough, but. The point is, I'm trying to make that it's a big future out there for for Polish rugby league, and and you have done some fantastic work in the last few years to take it there, Lukash. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, thank you very much for your time, and uh, enjoy your your nines season when it starts. Right, that was a great interview there from Lukash, and now we'll move on to our interview with Kane in the Netherlands. This is Stuart Morris. We've got Kane Krulich, who is the coach of the Netherlands. And you're about to go into a fixture against Germany in a, well, in a few weeks' time to play for the Griffin Cup, is it? Yeah, that's correct. We played Germany on the 26th of August. Then we play Sweden two weeks later. So, um, yeah, we've just started all our preparation now for the internationals. And it's an exciting time for us. What can we expect in this game? Who, which players shall we uh, shall we be looking out for? Uh, well, over the last three years, they've spent quite a lot of time trying to develop rugby league players, and now we've got two players who'll be making their well, one will be making their international debut, and one will be playing his second game. Who actually, the first time they touched a rugby league ball was at school. Then they played in the, for the local team, rugby league team. Then went to play for the development. Netherlands development team against the RAF and now they'll be in the international setup for this year so that's Ruben and Ari who are yeah, both 18 year olds and we're really looking forward to seeing them play and they've come through the pathway as well so yeah that's a positive for us Well we'll look out for those two lads playing and how do you feel you'll go against the, the German team because obviously a bit of an unknown quantity Germany they've done very well in the past but they don't really have a domestic league to to gauge, really, to 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 work out just how good these guys are going to be. Yeah, that's it. It's, um, it's always 
um, that's always one of the um, tasks when we play Germany. We never know what to expect. Obviously, last year we played and they beat us by two points. Um, so we feel like we've got a point to prove this year. And um, yeah, we're targeting both games as victories. But yeah, we know that we've put the right preparation in. We feel we're have got one more year's more experience behind us. So yeah, we're targeting to targeting it. But yeah, it's, it's always tough against them. They're always physical. Uh, I know a lot of their boys play um, rugby union as well, so they're probably a little bit more experienced than us. But yeah, it's, um, that's part of the challenge. But yeah, it's exciting and it's also exciting to see how use it as a measuring stick for us and see now much um, our philosophy of developing rugby league players and using new players. How does that differ against going against um, a lot of rugby union players? Where is the game at and what's the date of the game? Uh, so it's the 26th of August and I'm not quite sure on the city if I'm being honest with you. I know it's on the Dutch-German um, Dutch border though, so I know it's not too far to travel. Oh, so it's a good location then for both teams? Yeah, it's perfect. We have a good relationship with the Germans and yeah, we try and, um, we try and accommodate them and they try and accommodate us. And we're all about trying to use each other to both develop off each other. And I think that's how it should be in our nations. Absolutely, absolutely. We we're forming clusters of tri nations there. We've we've seen in in the central eastern European area. We've we've seen the Czechs and the Poles and the Hungarians come together to play each other, and we see a similar thing with the Swedes, the Danes, and Norway. And we now seem to have that with you, yourselves, the Germans, and the the Belgians. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Um, I'm a great believer in bringing stronger together and. Yeah, if we're helping each other out, we're only going to get better. And there's been a few German players who've come over and played in our domestic competition this year as well for Amsterdam Cobras. And, um, yeah, we're in close communication with their coaching staff and we're always asking how each other's getting on and like, bits of advice from each other as well. And yeah, we're only going to grow the game in our areas if we work together. And yeah, and I think that's part of the working relationship with Germany and I know we've got plans in the next few years to keep that growing and getting stronger and stronger as well. Is it possible we could see a mixed league with you in Germany? I know it's been done in the past with, with Belgium or or does it really depend on where those new teams spring up in Germany? Uh, I know there's aspirations for that. I, I wouldn't like to confirm it now but I know there's been talk about it and there's a bit of a development plan put in place by Germany and ourselves to hopefully get to that in a couple of years. Obviously, Germany is such a big country that they'd have to be somewhere close to the border for it to be feasible for our players as well. But, yeah, we've definitely spoke about it, and we think it's a go-ahead. And I know um, this year they entered the they had a team that entered the Rotterdam Nines, and that kick-started a, um, a bit of interest in the German boys to play more rugby league in the Netherlands too. Being an amateur game at this level... I mean the the level of planning that goes into things is is always excellent. It's it's in some ways it's better than a professional game, but you are obviously confined by the resources and the people available. So there's always an element of luck with these things. I know. Yeah, definitely. It's um, well, I can't fault the Netherlands rugby league bond at all. But like you said, they're all volunteers. They all work their socks off. But it, it is we've and I think Germany's in the same position. There's very little money there. For us to play around with very little resources and sometimes you can have the best plans laid ahead but it can be a little thing what can throw stuff off and we've just got to try and limit that as much as possible but 
with the understanding that we are volunteers and um yeah and and that's going back to the working together and trying to help each other out and i think all the especially over the last three years i think that philosophy has grown amongst a lot of nations i think you mentioned earlier about the czechs and the swedes and the, um, and norway and and the, like i said there's loads of little clusters and the more you're working together it's that's going to limit these um, problems what can come ahead well we've seen it we've seen it spring up in other places as well now we've obviously seen it in turkey and uh, bulgaria and the, the nations surrounding them so it's hard work but there's, there seems to be fruits if you like springing up in different places yeah and probably the more good news stories we get the more we can use that as a, our advantage and we can say look, this is what's happened in Serbia, this is what's happening in Turkey, this is what's happening, and we can then have them conversations with the local council, local government, and show them some good news stories, and that's going to definitely help as well. But that's also part of the challenge, and I think when you speak to most sports people, you get into it for the challenge, and you've got to embrace that and see it as a challenge, and if you can come out of it the other side, then that's when you'll get the credit you deserve. Do you think there's been a shift in the rugby league press towards the RLEF in recent years? I mean, I know now on things like Sky Television, we, we see things like the results of your league occasionally published on, on the uh, on the TV, on the, on the bottom bar and stuff. Are, are people accepting that there's a wider game, you think, now? Yeah, definitely. I was actually back in England um, two weekends ago and went to the Wakefield game against St. Helens, and it was amazing the amount of interest there is in not just Dutch rugby league, but just in European rugby league. Like I said, I think they've been seeing it on Sky, you now see it all over social media, and the, there's a genuine excitement there, and I think the more people read about it, the more people want to hear more, or, or ask how they can get involved, when's your next international, like I know there's a few people talking about flying over to watch the game against Sweden, and like I say, I don't know what it is, but there's been a... I'd say over the last 12 months, there's definitely been a push with the media and seeing it on Sky Sports, then you, like we send it to our players to show them that and then that gives them a buzz and yeah, that that helps massively. Well, that's excellent. That's that's really good news. I mean, if you like the, the work that's behind this show, that, that shows at least there's some progress being made in that area. Yeah, definitely. I think you guys are the pioneers for it. Lee Culture, you've been what, doing the podcast now for three years and yeah, it's, there's more interest and there's more people I see, more people listening to the podcast. And I say you guys are the pioneers, and hopefully it's it just keeps carrying on developing. Well, it's very nice of you to say that. We're never sure. We hope we hope sometimes we don't. We know we don't get a massive audience. I think sometimes we hope that maybe we'll put a story out, we'll write an article, and maybe our journalists will, will steal it and borrow it. And that's not a bad thing for us, really. No, that sounds hopefully as well with the World Cup coming up, there'll be a bit more push for um, international rugby league as well. Definitely, definitely. There's always a spike after the World Cup and it will be exciting to see what follows. And Well, I suppose we can't really let you go without mentioning uh, your your stepfather, uh, John Keir, who's, well, we're expecting great things from him with the Welsh. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting times for him. I know when I was back at the weekend... Yeah, we had a bit of a chat about him, sharing a few ideas, and yeah, couldn't shut shut him up about that first game when they go to Papua New Guinea and how exciting he is. He's always praising the Welsh Rugby League as well and what they're doing on a minimum budget, and yeah, it's an exciting time for them. And yeah, I know he's um, 
yeah, excited for it and he's confident and yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. It must be good. Uh, it must give uh, a, a big buzz between the two of you. Must be able to bounce ideas off each other at some level. Yeah, it's nice. I don't know how many ideas he gets from me, but I certainly get a lot off him. So it's a uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's nice to go home, being able to talk about the rugby league, and yeah, for the first few hours, that's all we talk about. Then you can get into personal matters after. But yeah, the rugby league always comes first in our household. Are we anywhere closer to seeing a Wales versus Netherlands fixture, or or is that something we'll have to play on Rugby League Four or something like that? <laughs> yeah. No, we've um, we've spoke about making a possible of a Welsh development team coming over, like from their domestic competition. Um, I've also got a good relationship with Idris from the Welsh Rugby League there, and I know he's keen to. Um, we've talked about crossover training sessions, but. We'll see how the World Cup goes and take it from there. But yeah, we we are there is something in the pipeline where a Welsh development team may come over and we'll have a return fixture over there. Too. Oh, that's 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 brilliant. That'd be really exciting. That'd be great to see that. Right. Well, thank you very much and good luck in your game. Thank you. Good talking to you. Cheers. Thanks for that. Right now for the final main interview with Harry Rose over there in Copenhagen. Hi, hi Stuart, how are you doing? I'm, I'm fantastic. Now, Scandinavian Rugby League or Nordic Rugby League has had various uh, ups and downs with the different countries and, and in the past Denmark's been been a force in, in, in Nordic Rugby League and, and in, perhaps in recent years it's, it's took a bit of a backseat. So what we're really going to ask is, what is the the current state of rugby league in in Denmark, and where can we expect it to go to? I think what we're going through now is um, a rejuvenation phase, uh, Stuart. Obviously, Steve <clears throat> Steve stepped back um, at one point, and Steve has massively been the driving force uh, for rugby league in Denmark. Um, he's been the chairman of the board now uh, for I, I don't know exactly how long, but since he's come back on board, it's really started to kick back to life and um, what we're doing is we're really leveraging a lot of the union players uh, because Denmark doesn't have uh, quite such a large uh, nascent rugby league scene as in the north of the UK or uh, Australia so we're having to leverage the interest which exists for the union game um, and, and, and play with a lot of those guys on a slightly more temporary basis so instead of having regular weekly fixtures what we're trying to do is we're trying to have great events uh, with big games maybe four to five times a year at the moment to really kickstart the growth again and what would those events be would they be kind of state of origin type events or would they be nines tournaments it's um a, a bit of a mix we're looking at nines tournaments um i think steve's got a uh sort of a full full teams in the in the works sort of thing. Uh, but for example, coming up in August, we've got the Australian uh, Cultural Festival, which uh, Copenhagen Rugby League is running for the Australian Embassy. So hopefully what we'll see is get a lot of the Aussies down there and in the middle of the event have a cracking game of rugby league, which we hope will get, again, will get the interest started. Well, it sounds good. So... Yeah. It, what what kind of activity is going on at the moment? You mentioned Copenhagen. Copenhagen obviously is the home of the the Black Swans. Yes, absolutely. So I'm on the board of um, the 
the black swans, uh, uh, along with Steve as the treasurer. Um, and I think that with Denmark being quite a sparsely populated country with only really one big city, don't tell the people from Aarhus I said that, but uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, you know, the population is centred, is really, really focused around Copenhagen. And we find that, you know, with all the expats there, um, it just being a much higher percentage of expats living in Copenhagen than elsewhere, that's where sports which aren't sort of native sports to Denmark really, really are successful, like the Union, um, like even they, ha- they even have Gaelic football teams out here. So, in terms of the sort of the population size of Copenhagen, if we took the the Union, are there various Union sides in Copenhagen? Yeah, I think there are. I think there are about, uh, there's five or six, five or six Union sides in Copenhagen. Right, so... So there's a possibility there for a few few teams, perhaps for rugby league in Copenhagen. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think over time, then hopefully, what we'll see is as the sport become it garners more interest, um, we'll see a couple of other clubs spring up. You know, we don't want to be Copenhagen's only team. Far from it. We'd love to have competition in the local area. And how did the name the Black Swans arise? How how did this Black Swans club come to be? I think my understanding of it is the chief sponsor of the Swans um, was the Black Swan Pub in uh, Copenhagen Central, Borgergill. Um And with that sort of very prominent signage on the shirts, uh, it just, I think it was just a natural step, you know. Well, it won't be the first team. There's many famous teams that have, have, have come from such such naming conventions. I mean, back in the UK, we have the London Scholars, which... If people are not aware, it comes from, I believe, a one-time connection with Skull Lager or a one-time possible connection with Skull Lager. And, and I guess these names, they just stick with time. Yeah, I think it's just people become comfortable with the association. And uh, I think it's a great name. Uh, it, it certainly helps us with recognition as opposed to being called, uh, you know, something with... I, I think that's that's one of the beautiful things about rugby league is how, how well you can brand your team. Yeah, it's good. Into I mean, I suppose you could have been the Sharks or the Bulls or the the Raiders, but the Black Swans. There can't be many Black Swans out there in in any rugby, really. No, no, it's a. It's not necessarily the first the first uh, image that you would put to a rugby t- rugby league team is a Black Swan. It's a good one, though. I like it. I do. There's a certain catchiness about it. So, what brought you into to rugby league, Harry? Are you originally from from Copenhagen, or have you moved there? I've moved there. So I'm from, um, I was born in Birmingham um, and I went to uni up in Durham. Um, and my, I, my first, my way into the sport was through union, massively. Uh, I started playing when I was about seven years old, uh, went up, sort of graduated up through the ranks sort of thing um, and went on to refereeing. And then I, I met, when I was over here, I met with Steve Davey and he said, why don't you come out and, and see what's going on in Copenhagen Rugby League? Um, and I jumped at the chance sort of thing because I, I, I always like the sport. I always like watching it. I think it's a cracking sport to watch. And uh, things went from there for me, really. I had, obviously, latent interest from uh, from watching it. And uh, I, I jumped on board at the first possible opportunity. I thought it was a great idea. I always find Denmark absolutely fascinating when it comes to rugby league because... It's one of those areas that's got such a unique character about it. I mean, even the people involved, I mean, yourself and, and if just to explain Stephen Davey, Stephen Davey himself is, is quite 
quite a character. When I spoke to Stephen, I've always uh, come away with a smile after speaking to him. He's he's a very uh, colourful character, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, I think that's what it needs, especially when it's a, a development sport as it currently is. You really need those charismatic individuals behind it who can really you know give life to the sport, give a bit of um, human interest to the sport as well. Which I think I, I mean I think Steve's great for that. Uh, I, I hope I hope. I hope I'm not not necessarily as colourful, but also fairly. <laughs> you, know, I mean, you know, even with the lads on the team, there's some cracking personalities. Um, you know, you, you know yourself, Eugene, uh, probably, I, I imagine, and um, Andre, um, that big, 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 uh, big Romanian chap. And it's people like this, you know, they really bring human interest to it as well as the sporting interest. Yeah, Eugene Hanneran, he was originally from Ireland, wasn't he? And he, he moved yeah, to... He moved to Denmark. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. I I don't know Eugene personally, but uh, Declan, who who started off doing the show with us, I'm sure he's played alongside Eugene. Yeah, probably. Eugene's been around a bit. He's uh he's he's well known in international rugby circles. I think probably uh, probably probably for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> well, we we had an interview with one of your players a, a few years back when you you won the Nordic Cup and. He certainly had an impression. He certainly fired your players up anyway, and he was certainly a popular character in the team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he's a great he's a great motivator, to be honest. He, uh, I mean, it's like uh, Nige as well, our, uh, our, our first-team coach. I think um, when you've got people like that who really know how to, you know, on match day and socially to bring the team together, then you end up with a far more coherent unit. And especially, as I say, when it's a development sport, you really want to make sure that you can keep the players interested over a long period of time. Well, I know with, with, with my chats with, with Stephen, and obviously you, you've had these these chats yourself, and how he likes to make events of things. He's, he's very he's very keen on, on creating an event. So it's not just all about the sport. He likes people to come along, and he likes people to be involved, and he likes to make an event of things. He's very much focused on the off-field side of things as well. Yeah, I, I think... You know, um, our strategy of the next few years is definitely to, you know, as I said, not to play at first the regular games with uh, smaller crowds. We want to make it so that we're playing games at events which already have crowds. You know, we really want to make sure that we've got a good, it'd be great to have a good few thousand people down, not necessarily initially for the rugby, but to get them watching the rugby whilst they're down there, take notice and say, you know what, that's a cracking sport that I'd like to get involved. Well, it's worked before. It's certainly. I mean, it's worked with uh, in early days. You've got the Toronto Wolfpack now. When the Canadian internationals were played during the, I think it was the Caribbean Festival that they had in Toronto. They they linked the two events together, so you've instantly got a crowd there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I mean, that's what we're trying to do with the um, Australian Cultural Festival in August. It's a fantastic idea, and. I've heard some some really um, different ideas from from Stephen over the years. I, I know in the past you've you've had rap rap artists down and models and roller derby and all yeah. sorts over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I think you can uh, you can rely on Steve Davy to come up with some interesting events. Which I think is good because there's certainly, I guess, what like you say when when it's you are a development sport. I suppose a lot of it is just. Generating that fun, generating that initial attention to to kick things off. Absolutely, absolutely. I think keeping it, you know, keeping it family friendly is absolutely key. Um, I've always seen league as a very family friendly sport. You know, I think 
Um, you've got maybe a, a little bit of soccer fan syndrome here in Denmark. Um, and if we can keep it as a family sport and make sure that people are down there, not not just for the sport, which you know leads to the sort of unpleasantness, but coming coming down to have a day out, then spirits stay high. And you really you advertise the sport to families more. I know at the moment in the union side of the game, there's been some controversy with some of the teams. And I think that if you if you have people down there for a different reason, when the sport is in development, then you avoid that soccer mentality. You avoid that, that, that nastiness that sometimes comes in in uh, countries where the sport is still developing. And they, 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 don't, they don't have the same exposure to the traditional values of the sport. Right, and obviously that's important because... As I get to say, I've, I spoke to, to past players and stuff, and, and Denmark is a country where family and having the correct set of values is very important there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it makes it all the more shocking when you you know, you know go down on match day to, uh, you know, again, for example, to the Union games, and you've got, well, you know, not, not quite hooligans, but the next step down at the game, causing strife, picking on the referee. I mean, that's, that's unacceptable. And it's, it's just what, absolutely what we want to avoid. I think if we can, you know, build the build the reputation of the sport as being one which is family friendly. As I say, I think that's the key. Yeah, I mean, Blythe, that is also a difficulty as well, isn't it? When when you try and organise a domestic league, because I believe in Denmark, weekends are often put aside for family time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we 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 obviously don't have match days on uh, Sundays here. Which for me was a very big difference. I'm, I'm used to Sunday's match day. Uh, here it's all on Saturdays. I guess this is important, really, and I guess this is important with people like yourself that that you understand the local culture if you're going to have any kind of long-term future. Mm, absolutely, but I think that uh, you know, with 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 international sports coming into Denmark, I think that the Danes that play they also want a bit of, a bit of exposure to the to the international culture of that sport. So, you know, the lads that come down and play league with us, there's a lot of foreigners, that's true, and a lot of them are uh, from Commonwealth countries in the UK and Ireland. Uh, but, you know, we get we get Danes that play with us, and more often than not, they absolutely love getting involved in the international side of things, whilst we can obviously learn from them as to how, how sports how sports teams in Denmark should act. So I think there's a real, uh, there's lessons to be learned from both sides. And I think that's really, really beautiful, you know, sport bringing people together to share experiences and to uh, help, you know, each, each side to grow sort of thing. What is it that brings the Danish lads into the game? Do, do they do they come in by chance? Do, are, they, are they union lads who, who fancy playing league? Or what, what is the sort of the the event that brings, brings these Danish players along to your games? I think it's a bit of a mix. I mean... Um, there's one there's one club here which uh, is very much involved. Uh, a lot of their lads, um, a lot of their lads play for the for the Black Swans, and you know if it's in one club, then that the other lads of that club will be like, oh well, if you're going down there, I'll go down there with you and see what's going on. So I think that's definitely one part of it. You know, friends bringing people in, um, and yeah, there there are, there are lads that know uh, expats that want to spend some time with them who will come down. But then there's also I mean, it also works in the other way. So because this one team uh, is very uh, very involved in Black Swans, just because a couple of the lads there have always played for them and they've got their friends along, um, some of the guys from other teams won't won't touch it. So, which to me makes no sense because, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not about... It's about the sport. If you want to play, you want to play it. 
but it does work the other way. So you end up with because of these rivalries that exist in the in, in the other game, you uh, you end up with lads not coming down, which is a shame, really. With the sort of the exposure rugby league in Denmark, are are people aware of of rugby league in Denmark? Perhaps more the NRL rather than than the Super League, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I mean, it, it, it is a development sport here. Um, people are far more aware of um, the other game than than uh, than rugby league. I, I think you see a lot more people when you talk about rugby. People assume either sevens or union. Uh, really, and that's that's because the DRU is quite strong here. Um, Denmark is obviously trying to set its uh, focus towards the Olympics and the Olympic style of sevens rugby that they play. Um, they see that as their best chance, so that's what that's what's got the most recognition at the moment. Um, certainly in the expat community, there's interest and recognition of rugby league. But I guess that's what we're trying to do is by by drawing large Danish crowds as well as you know expat crowds. We're trying to build the reputation of rugby league in Denmark, and then hopefully we'll get more and more Danes interested. And if you start asking about it, you're local. You know, can you put the can you put the the game on TV? Then it, that that that's a virtuous circle. That's an interesting idea. So you have the event, and you sort of the events themselves become become educational, and f- from that sort of lack of exposure, you you find another way of of spreading the game. That's that's a very interesting approach. Yeah, but it is it is it's dead interesting trying to uh, trying to build something in uh, in sport in another country. It's uh, it, it's a a fantastic challenge. It really is. And we'll see how it goes. I hope, hopefully, this uh, event of the Australian Cultural Fest will be will be absolutely fantastic. That's have we got a, have we got a date for that? I believe it's the twenty sixth. The twenty sixth. And what can we expect on the, on that twenty sixth? Uh, well, I think what we're what we're what we're really looking at doing is having some music down there, some um, some food, uh, a few drinks. Obviously, uh, it's uh, Australian culture. <laughs> But uh, no, no, it's um, Steve, Steve's, Steve's trying to bring down some um, some musicians, play the rugby game in the middle of the event, uh, try and draw a big crowd, something along the lines of, uh, we had a Japanese cultural festival down here, just showcasing Japanese culture. And I think that if we, um, you know, if we can match that and have some traditional items of Australian culture, get the people down there, have the game in the middle of the day as one of the large events, then that'll be absolutely perfect. So it sounds it sounds brilliant. It sounds brilliant. And in terms of international games, have you have you got any any sort of expectation to to rejoin the Nordic Cup, or or is that yet to be seen? I think we need to we need to develop our our base first. We want to come from a very strong position. You know, we 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 were at the um, uh, Scar- the the nines tournament in Scarlet, and we had a cracking showing out there. An absolutely cracking showing, you know. It's our first game, first game in more than a year. Um, no training from any of the lads. We went out there and we really showed our stuff. We are back. We're absolutely back. But I think that we want to make sure that if we go back into the Nordic, that we can really challenge for it. We don't want to come in and finish mid-table. Well, it's 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 an interesting tournament because. Depending on who's in the, the the various countries at the time, the various strengths, aren't you? Because you've had times where uh, Sweden's been been dominant. You've had times when you, yourselves have been dominant, and, yeah. and and of recent, we we've seen sort of Norway dominant, really. So it's 
it it tends to it tends to change from country to country really who has the strength and I guess, I guess you don't want to go in and just just be be smashed but we certainly want to see you back in that competition yeah we certainly want to be back there but I think as I say there's a there's an element of we want to make sure that we have a base that we can reliably operate from because you know we we love that the uh, the power moves around but I, th- I think it's great that the power doesn't consolidate in one particular country it means that it that the sport can develop throughout Scandinavia at an even rate um, but we want to make sure that you know, when we come back to it, we can continue to build from that platform of success. That's what we want to do. We want to make sure that we build from where we are now. We get a following. We get more people down. Get more players in the team. You know, uh, look at options as to including more and more people into the team. Uh, you know, uh, look at the women's game if possible, and then go from there. We want to make sure that it's a permanent establishment, a stable club, and that. You know, uh, as unfortunately does happen sometimes, the club doesn't fold because uh, X person or Y person isn't able to continue anymore. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the the, the challenge, isn't it? Really, I don't know how you get around that. I mean, I don't know if you the the tricks to to build into an existing sports club or or do you start to build junior structures and stuff underneath yeah. your senior stuff? How how do you go about that kind of thing? Well, I think sure that's. Again, that's absolutely where the, fam- the, the importance of emphasising that this is a family sport comes in. You know, there's a lot of fear um, in in countries where uh, union and league aren't uh, aren't native um, about them. They, they're seen as dangerous sports. They're seen as sports where you know it's not safe to let your kid play. But if we can have, if we can turn it into a family event where families are down and they see actually these lads, they're good role models. Um, it's safe, you know, safe as it can be. Uh, it's sensible stuff. Then you get parents saying, actually, you know, we can go down there. I play in the senior team, and the little one can train with the juniors. And then when you've got that youth set up, when you've got that occurring, that's when you've got long-term growth. You know, obviously, for for the foreseeable future, the major inflows won't be from a youth system. The major inflows in terms of players will be from expats and Danes who want to come down and play some rugby league. Um, but what we're hoping is, long, long-term future, we can get. Uh, we can get players up through the up through a youth system, make it viable, and keep it long term. And also, you know, avoiding the folding of uh, of the club if there is interest, if there uh, and there's a vehicle which can be used by people to to play the sport, to enjoy the sport. Um, then it doesn't matter who leaves. If there's someone there who wants to continue, then they can just use the vehicle which exists, right? Definitely. So, just a question on the other side of it. Do you have any plans to sort of retain players as well? I mean, something I found with, with my own local club that I'm involved in, I mean, obviously we have lads who get to the, to the age where they can't play anymore, but they're a fantastic asset off the field sometimes, these people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's what you see with um, people like Nige, um, who obviously used to play with us. Uh, now he's the head of our first team. Uh, he's the, the coach of our first team. Um, I mean, I, I myself, I, I can't uh, currently play. I'm uh, injured thanks to, uh, uh, you know, shoulder, ACL, ACL, AC, whichever. Uh, tore that in two places. And that was extremely unpleasant. So, you know, I, I'm out of it as well. But I think that this is a great example of how you can continue. You know, and, and it doesn't have to be in a formal capacity even. I think that having those senior players um, who are, you know, very much in the social life of the club, that makes it more than just a sports club. That makes it a team 
actually, when you've got those experienced players uh, who've come up with the club, who know the people in it, know the culture of it, then they can really help to reinforce that on match days and after the match. I think that's really important for building a cohesive team. Well, that's fantastic. That's absolutely brilliant. Thanks. Thanks, Stuart. Right, Harry, thank you very much for your time and good luck in the future. So, thanks for listening to the show. Please try to share the show if you can or rate us on iTunes. Remember, like it, link it, post it, share it. Get the news out there that there is a international aspect to rugby league. And to sing the show out, we've got Danny McMasters and the Be My Singers with I Love My Game, which is available to buy on iTunes. It's a part of me.